1: Hey everyone, welcome to Let's Get Civical.
2: This is the podcast that breaks down politics, government structure, and dives into the context of current events, but in a super
1: fun way. I'm Lizzie Stewart, comedian, feminist, and political junkie. And I'm Arden Walantowski, former Senate intern, campaign staffer, and political strategist.
2: In this week's episode, we're talking about the FDA's history with vaccines. So grab your emergency authorization. And let's get civical. back to Let's Get Civical. I'm Lizzie Stewart. And I'm Arden Wallentowski. And today, we are not alone, both <laughs> metaphorically and literally. We are graced by two presence, uh, presences, presence present presences, present size. They are... Present size? Present Shut size. Up. They are our... What I don't know, sisters, there are cousins, there are family. They live under the more Banana family. You probably know their very successful podcast, Scam Wow. We are joined by Caitlin and
3: Sue. Friends, hi! What's up? Thanks for having us, sisters. Sister Wives. Oh, my God. <laughs> so nice to be a part of the Sister Wife community. Does anyone watch Sister Wives? I know. It's sister so good. I have so
4: much to talk to about. I need someone to
2: talk to about Sister Wives. There's so much to say. I love Sister Wives so much. I haven't watched it in many, many years, but I remember when it first came out, I thought, as a young pup, this is my show. For some reason, so I've where stuck are we with now? it for like
4: 10 minutes. Ten years. I've stuck with it. That's amazing.
3: Damn. Bring us up to date. I I check headlines and I check other people's feedback, but I want to know where are we right now in the sister-wife universe?
4: Are you okay with me spoiling it for you or are you going to get it? Yes. Yes. Okay. So we're at a point now where we just had a season finale and one to two sister-wives out of the four may break off from the family. (gasps) <gasps> Whoa. no one wants to do polygamy anymore they're
2: over that's it that's what
3: you want mm-hmm. Man. that's what you want in a sister wife story yeah. Yeah. for them to run away mm-hmm. To, mm-hmm.
2: to join the, to make like a new sister wife family are they gonna do you think they're gonna break off together or they're gonna break off like and, and just
4: go their own way I don't think they will so th- some of the wives are at a point where their children are having children so Christine wants to move back to Utah to dote on the grandkids mm-hmm. and oh, oh who doesn't no sure. one else is like, they are the rest of the family's in Flagstaff. No one else wants to move again. So Christine's like, peace, I'm out of here. Which Christine, mm-hmm. I thought, was the one who was the most happy. So it's been a shocker. But there's
3: nothing like a grandbaby. Grandbabies will change everything. I think so. I think so. You're right. My grandpa poppy stopped smoking his whole life as soon as I was born. Oh. Uh-huh. Like cold turkey. You wow. Did wow. Yeah. Look
1: what you did. Amazing. Pretty impressive. You're very it present. Influencer. So, somebody?
3: could move to Utah, that's what I'm saying.
2: So this is a, an amazing place to transition to sort of our topic You're welcome. Today, thank you, Sue. <laughs> you
0: were
3: your guest, and
0: it's You to like, get nuts. Let me
2: give you a diving board in which to leap off of. And so obviously, if it's not clear to you yet,
1: transitions right into the history of the FDA. <laughs> It's just, it's so seamless. What more could you ask
3: for? It is so seamless.
2: We are talking about the FDA today, specifically in the scope of more on the vaccine side. As I know Arden and I have learned in researching this, the FDA.
1: They do 18,000 things. Yeah, they do a lot.
2: They're, they're monitoring too much, I think. Like, there's no wonder mm. things fall through the cracks, in my opinion, mm-hmm. because you can't monitor food and drugs and God knows what else mm-hmm. and have and shoot 100% every time. So mm. that, that's too much. That's too much. It's too much. But because it's too much, we had to narrow our focus just a bit. And since, I don't know, there's a pandemic going on, It seemed as good a time as any to take on... The sort of drug element of the D of the FDA, if you okay. will. Great. So, um, before we jump in, Arden, do you want to tell our listeners what our Sarsharon and sarses are today?
1: The Sarsharon and Sarses, they this is coming from the FDA. I mean, thank wow. God. Where it's just such a relief to have a government website that tells you things about what they do. Sure. The FDA, the CDC. And then I think I don't know where yours came from. Is that where yours came from too? Yeah, mine also came from the FDA and the CDC. Fuckin I thought we where, where else do you go? Where else ladies? are you going to go? Where else are you going to go? Yeah. So straight from the horse's mouth.
2: So Arden, would you like to start us off with a brief little history or history as we like to call it of
1: Thank you. Fada mm-hmm. Fada. Oh my God. Fada. I feel like people would be much more into the FDA if she was called Fada. Are you kidding I'm me? Fada needs her own song and YouTube channel. She
3: mm-hmm. has it. She has it. She has a ton of TikTok followers. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so, a little history of Fada, the uh, Food and Drug Administration. The Biologics Control Act of 1902 was enacted by Congress to ensure the protection of Americans by providing consistently safe biological products. Thanks. things shouldn't kill us we love this (laughs) the act not only serves as the underpinning for today's regulation of biological products but also marks a historic turning point in the way america protects the health of its citizens so it was the act that was like maybe we shouldn't like maybe we should test things before we insert them into people's bodies
3: why not throw it
1: why not a
3: thought just
1: off the top of the
2: head and 1902, turn of the century, no. we're drowning in steel. This is mm-hmm. 10 years before the Titanic is going to sink. So we're we're different people. We have mm. a pep in our step. Let's just try to keep them alive. Let's keep them alive.
1: Yeah. Let's keep them alive. The first uh, comprehensive federal consumer protection law was the 1906 Food and Drugs Act, which prohibited misbranded, adulterated food, scandalous. Mm. Foods and drugs in interstate commerce. Arguably the pinnacle of pro- of the Progressive Era legislation, the act nevertheless had shortcomings, which were gaps in commodities it covered, plus many products it left untouched. And many hazardous consumer items remained on the market legally. So they were like, okay, if you mess with it, we're going to try and regulate you. But they missed some steps, and there were lots of things still out there that were harming people. But at least we had a law, a group of people who were like, let's try and look at it's this. It's coming
3: from a good place. It's coming from a yes. good place. Like most psychopaths, they believe themselves. It's true. Yes. It's a true. A place of
0: love, a yes. place of intention. It all starts somewhere nice. Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah.
1: The political will to effect a change came in the early 1930s, which was spurred on by growing national outrage over some egregious examples of consumer products that poisoned, maimed, and killed many people. I mean, yes. Maimed? <laughs>
3: maimed. <laughs> I feel like maimed people, yeah, that's a problem. Like There what? were a couple machetes that they were <laughs> I like, was about
2: Ooh. to say, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. what could maim you? Like, uh, I mean, talk about the early stages of Tylenol where it would blow off half your face. Like, I
3: don't know. Wait, is that real? No, no, that's. Oh, I okay, was like, fully where, made where up. have I tylenol, been? Don't come but Tylenol
2: me. had some
4: shit in it once. Were like, they, there was a that's scandal. That's the
2: Tylenol killin- killings where like somebody poisoned, mm-hmm. which what? was not Tylenol's fault. Okay, quick history lesson for us girls. Sidebar: In like the '90s or the '80s, there was a series of people dying because somebody had tampered with what I think was Tylenol um, packaging, and had like put—I think it was cyanide pills mm-hmm. in <gasps> them. And did yes, they tamper
3: in the factory or like in the CVS or people? I think it in the called. CVS. In the because CVS. Because this
2: this was before. You had the seal. So these killings (gasps) Mm -hmm. prompted the seal we know and love today. Wow. Yep. I mean, look it up. Tylenol murders. There's a great forensic files on it
3: i would have been dead so many times over i take so much advil and (laughs) i am like crushing painkillers
2: these days never take something that doesn't have a seal on it because that's supposed to protect that's supposed to let you know like oh no because it it will will have cyanide in it seal with him yeah it Mm -hmm.
0: will have cyanide
2: in it absolutely okay that was my sidebar
1: that's a great sidebar thank you we stop for true crime always The tipping point came in 1937 when an untested pharmaceutical killed scores of patients, including many children, as soon as it went to the market. The enactment of the 1938 Food, Drug, and Cosmetic Act tightened controls over drugs and food, included new consumer protection against unlawful cosmetics and medical devices, and enhanced the government's ability to enforce the law. This law, as amended, is still enforced today.
2: And this, what they talk about, this killing, is not the Thailand. So there's been multiple...
1: There's no Like I said,
2: we've not gotten this fully right over the course of these, what, 120 years? Um, this pharmaceutical, I, Yeah, I imagine this pharmaceutical literally was straight cyanide, that they were like, maybe this cures headaches, and then realized that it killed people. It's like, let's
3: just test it out on our people and let's just we, see who floats. Let's see who
0: floats. So it.
2: the next sort of thing we're going to talk about, just this is a very brief uh, aside in the notes, is we're going to talk about the Center for Biologics Evaluation and Research, or CBER, C-ber. as they call it. CBER. CBER. CBER.
3: C-ber. C-ber.
2: So for more than a hundred years, what is now known as F- as the FDA's Center for Biologics Evaluation and Research, or CBER. Mm -hmm. has played a significant role in ensuring the safety and, oh, I hate this word, efficacy of the fruits of these scientific discoveries. CBER is responsible for the regulation of biologics, which are medical products such as, you guessed it, vaccines, Mm -hmm. blood and blood derivatives, allergenic patch tests, and extracts. HIV and hepatitis tests, gene therapy products, cells and tissues for transplantation. God, I can't believe I gave myself this note. And new treatments for cancers, arthritis, and other serious diseases. So
3: again, I think too much. Yeah. It was one guy doing it all. Was he like, don't worry, I've got it. He's got <laughs> like a huge ego. He's like, look, I'm real good with this shoes. So yeah. I'll take it <laughs> He's got My like wife beaters. says that I'm really bossy. I can handle yeah, it. Yeah, I've got it, it. Don't
2: worry. And so Seber reviewed the first vaccines to immunize. Hold on. Immu, immunize? Yeah, Immunize? Yeah. Immunize. You, you know what it. I'm saying. Mm-hmm. Persons against infectious diseases such as polio. Oh, my goodness. I'm not going to say the scientific name, the whooping cough, and German mm-hmm. measles. Seber research led to important discoveries to safely collect, prepare, and transfuse blood and blood plasma. So that's just a little subsection of the FDA that is doing wow. a lot of the research and stuff that are creating these treatments and whatnots for all of these diseases that we know and love, really. Mm-hmm. Gotcha.
1: Mm-hmm. I mean, I love German measles. Who doesn't? Mm.
2: I mean, Einstein drop honey. <laughs> <laughs> it's the only thing I know in... German.
4: <laughs> it's one, two, three. It's
1: the yeah, measles. It. It's the measles. Ich
4: baby. That's all I okay. know. Okay.
1: I love you. Aw, okay. that's so cute. Wait, say it again. Ich liebedees. Ich liebedees.
2: Ish
0: so good. Ich
4: liebe dich. Oh that's my God, so you're going to say that for My forever? grandmother taught me that. Is
2: your grandmother Aww. German? Mm hmm. Oh my Aww. gosh. So, Arden, you pulled this note, and I. this is just the title of the note. The St. Louis Tragedy and enactment an mm. of the 1902 Biologics Control Act. So I'm excited to learn about the St. Louis Tragedy because mm. what happened in St. Louis?
1: Yeah. It was kind of nuts. So in 1901, <laughs> diphtheria patients were routinely treated with an antitoxin derived from the blood serum of horses. This already no. sounds like a gem of a plan. Oh, this, I just, this sounds so just right on the money. This so, can't hold, be a this plan. This can't. The horse serum was manufactured in local establishments with no central mm. or uniform controls. Even better. No.
2: It can't you can't you can't do anything with horse serum Mm-mm. locally. You need to... You need
3: rules with horses. As somebody who's ridden a horse, you need some rules. You need a saddle. You need a bridle. You just, like, you need a couple things. But who
2: who even thinks
3: about that? Literally
2: straight white men of 1901 (laughs) who... (laughs) Who? <laughs> there was nobody else at the table. Nobody. And
3: yes. also in 1901, I, like maybe horse semen was like flying all over the place. Like now they test on like mice and monkeys and like all these other sort of like other animals. Maybe horse semen was like the easiest animal byproduct to get.
4: I just imagine a visual of horse semen flying <laughs> all over the place. <laughs> oh my and, oh, and, and you cool. should. And that's, pew, what, pew, I pew, pew, pew,
3: that's what I was you hoping for. That's what I was hoping for. Just like wild. So wow. Crazy. Saint
1: Louis is off to a wild start. Mm-hmm. A wild start. Guys,
0: it's crazy there. Mm-hmm. So
1: in St. Louis, Missouri, the blood, the blood of a tetanus-infected, retired milk wagon horse
3: named Jim.
1: <laughs> yep. No.
2: Wow,
3: name. Oh that's a really important detail. It's wow. very oh important. Data. I just feel like Who I, looks at a horse and goes, Jim? Like <laughs> this true. is Jim. It's probably named after their dead grandpa.
4: I, I yeah. have a tangent here. Is that some people are naming their animals? people names like there's a missing cat yes. in my neighborhood named kevin and i am not here for it i don't like it <laughs> name your cat like, oh my god crackers or something okay i don't i can't stand that too yeah i hate <laughs> it
3: my ex coworker, her dog was named kevin and then every dog in their family was also oh my, named kevin no it's, so not it's always cool where's kevin like
4: in home alone <laughs> it's not cool <laughs> or cute it's give them a fun no. animal name okay yeah it's
2: constant my dream is to have a cat and name it butter I love...
3: That's great. Great. Thank I love you. this dream for you. Yes.
2: thank you. I love it. That. That's my a f- dream. A food-themed
4: animal name is always good.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Yes. I'm with you on that. There's something... There's something not quite right by being like, um, Charlotte. Right. Come here. Uh, yeah. Right. My <laughs> friend has a, <laughs> has a cat named Emma. Like, what are you doing? Oh. Yeah. <sighs> Sorry,
4: uh, guys. Okay. I'm really...
2: No. Get this out it. now. This is, this is the place. You. This is get the place. Out. Get it Get it. Get it. So, out. um...
1: Yeah. Wow. Jim. Okay. Jim, we salute you. Jim. uh, uh, Poor Jim. RIP. I'm for sure he's dead. He didn't know that he was, had tetanus, but he did. And the milk wagon horse uh, that they pulled the serum from to give to the, uh, you know, he was the guy that they they pulled it from to give to the diphtheria patients. So they're giving the diphtheria patients tetanus infected serum. By late 1901, the situation erupted into tragedy, of course it did, when 13 children who had been given diphtheria, antitoxin, died of tetanus.
3: Oh my god. Jim was a murderer. Jim murdered the children. Yeah, but I feel like in 1901, everybody just is dying, right? (laughs) Like, kids are just, like, falling out of carts, and like, I just feel like- like 2021. Yes. right our, our so sister similar. in in spirit
2: 1901 yes.
3: mm-hmm. our no sister good. wife of history no is no. also dying
1: so in response in 1902 congress enacted the biologics control act which we talked about known as the virus toxin law which gave the government its first control over the process used for the production of biological products the first regulations under this act became effective on august 21st 1903 and mandated that producers of vaccines be licensed annually for the manufacture and sale of vaccines, serums, and antitoxins.
2: Okay. Love.
1: We love a response. We love Jews,
2: a response. Yeah, of We're, children.
1: we're Fast. stepping up to the plate. Love it. Manufacturing facilities were also required to undergo inspections, and licenses could be revoked or suspended when necessary. Production was to be supervised by a qualified scientist. It's good so- they
2: said Qualified.
1: Mm. i know yes it's good that we have standards
2: (laughs) it's that's that you you gotta specify because it could just be it could be any scientist could be anybody yeah i'm a scientist when you break me down into my Mm -hmm. sort of Mm -hmm. you have solved many murders investigative crimeologist whatever you want to call it tomato tomato
3: tomato.
2: yeah Yeah.
3: we're all the same yeah we are all the same
1: So then all product labels were required to include the product name, expiration date, and address and license number of the manufacturer. These new controls marked the beginning of a basic change in America's federal public health policy and a steadfast commitment to the protection of public health. Sure, they're like, which batch is this serum from? This one made people sick. Let's pull all of that from the shelves. I like Mm -hmm. this idea. I
2: love a recall. Recall it. Mm -hmm. Initial recall. Mm hmm
1: then in So then additional legislation that was passed that eventually would provide for further protections for recipients of biological products. In 1906, the Federal Food and Drugs Act was passed, which outlawed, uh, like we said, adulterated and misbranded foods and drugs, but made no reference to biological products. This act was later replaced by the 1938 Food, Drugs, and Cosmetic Act. After 1938, the appropriate provisions of the 1902 and 1938 Acts were were used to regulate biology. So at first they were like, okay, just this, the foods and, and and other things that like people will consume. And then they were like, how about the things we put in our bodies? And they were like, yeah, mm-hmm. seems a good Yals. idea. Throw the, it in the there. The vaccines and the drugs. I like Make an idea. amendment. Put it in the drugs. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
2: Yeah. And I love that they tacked on cosmetic.
4: I know. Like,
2: uh-huh. Now is your- <laughs> and as an afterthought, was- great. Like, oh, wait, 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 cosmetics, throw that in, write that in, quickly, scribble it down. And then they, they voted and they were like, okay, great,
1: perfect. Was this back when they, like, when, was the powder still, like, eating people's faces back then? Is this that time period? Remember that?
2: I mean, this was, what, 1938? Mm -hmm. Anything's possible. We're coming out of the Great Depression. Mm -hmm. It's before World War II, World War II. Um... Was the powder eating the face? I don't know. Was the powder good for the face? Probably not. Probably not. So makeup, I do think, was coming very much into the fold Mm -hmm. for sure at this point. So speaking of the Federal Food, Drug, and Cosmetic Act of 1938, great year for me. It did a couple of things that I'm just going to quickly go over before we really get into some meat on vaccines. So... This act extended control to cosmetic and therapeutic devices, which we love to see. I wonder if this was because of mm-hmm. World War One mm. and like soldiers coming back and like needing therapy, physical therapy. I don't know. Just yeah. a thought. I hope. Yeah. I hope so. The next thing that it did, it uh, it required new drugs to be shown safe before marketing started. Right. Which was mm-hmm. a new system of drug regulation, so you can't make the pretty posters until you tell me and prove this doesn't kill anybody or mm-hmm. give them something bad. It provided that safe tolerances be set for unavoidable poisonous substances. Nice. You have mm-hmm. to you have to say you can only put this much of cyanide in everything. No more. <laughs> no more. There's a maximum level of poison. They didn't want to overstep, you
3: guys. They just didn't want to overstep. They're like, no legal amount of
2: poison in the Mm -hmm. drugs, ladies. It authorized standards of identity, quality, and fill of containers for foods. It authorized factory inspections. And it added the remedy of court injunctions to the previous penalties of seizures and prosecutions. So this really, again, this was a massive piece of legislation and sort of like when you have the original thing in the ni- early 1900s, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. then we kind of refocus and rebrand in 1938 and that'll happen a couple of times. And it's still happening. Like they're still updating this same legislation to be like, and this and mm-hmm, the children mm-hmm. and blah, blah, blah. Um, Cause if you can imagine what they said in 1938 had to change as we got a little more modernized, mm. if you will.
4: Mm-hmm.
2: So, Arden, do you want to talk about the FDA and vaccines?
1: Sure, 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 um, mm-hmm. so, but, are sure. Are you sure?
2: I'm, I think I'm sure. Sure, 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 sure. Is she sure? she
1: sure?
2: sure,
1: sure. Um, so, before vaccines are approved by the current Food and Drug Administration, scientists test them extensively to ensure that they are safe and effective, Plus. That's important to
2: know. It's so important. Mm-hmm.
1: Vaccines are the best defense we have against infectious diseases, but no vaccine is actually 100% safe or effective for everyone because each person's body reacts to vaccines differently. Who would have thought? hmm Before vaccines are licensed by the FDA, they are tested extensively in the laboratory and with human subjects to ensure their safety. First, researchers use computers to predict how the vaccine will interact with the human immune system. Then researchers test the vaccine on animals, including mice, guinea pigs, rabbits, and monkeys.
2: I wonder if there's like a... Status of the animals, like mm. if they start on one and then move up to like the bigger ones, like I'm curious. I'm not a I'm not a fan of this, obviously. <laughs> yeah. But I am curious about like because they've listed several obviously different animals. Like by the time they get kingdoms. to a giraffe,
3: he's like ugh, ugh. I just yeah. Hope they can It's miss like by the time by like, now, the monkeys
2: but... were like ready to go, or you know, I'm just curious. Mm. I imagine you start on mice and you work your way up.
3: Mm. Mm-hmm. To- Probably. No, I don't think so. Mice have certain things that are really similar to ours. And like mm-hmm. there's – because like we we didn't come from monkeys. We came from – I only know this because my brother's a huge researcher. We came from something else. It's like another form of ape or something. But because mm-hmm. I have seen and read of like studies done just exclusively on mice. Yeah. Before then they bring it to people. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. you didn't – I ha- you did not have to do like – if they test a medication for, let's say, like not an amoxicillin, but something like a um, oh my word, I'm like, what is it for your metabolism or something? Or let's say you have a thyroid issue, they can actually do something where I actually read this about sugars too. They can trick mice and have mice develop something that's similar to somebody who has a diabetes. So it can almost their systems can almost identically mimic the way we would break our bodies would break down basically our liver would break down diabetes i think so guys sorry i'm not a doctor um and then they would give them the medicine and so then if that worked it was close enough to a mimic to ours that they don't then use it on monkeys or dogs or anything else
4: but like deep down inside aren't we all mice you know we all are mice yes yes
3: yeah i mean yeah. we've Sheep, all been watching
4: mice. disney our whole lives we're mice. hello yeah. we are mice. Guss, guss. Yes, mm-hmm. gus yes gus
2: gus gus the protagonist of cinderella we mm-hmm. all know it gus 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 gus
4: oh
3: my god right but that's a better point so that we are all actually we well. are yes. no, no no
4: it's not a better point at the end, end of the day it, no. there are no better points no, no. they're all are equal mice. points we are all mice.
1: So after they test it on the animals, they move on to vaccine development and approval, the same general pathway as for drugs and other biologics. A sponsor who wishes to begin clinical trials with a vaccine must admit an in- investigational new drug application, known as an IND, to, to the FDA. Phase 1 trials are small, involving only 20 to 100 volunteers, and last only a few months. The purpose of phase one trials is to evaluate basic safety and identify very common reactions.
2: Sure, that makes sense.
1: Phase two trials are larger and involve several hundred participants. These studies last anywhere from several months to two years and collect additional information on safety and efficacy. Data gained from these two phase two trials can be used to determine the composition of the vaccine, how many doses are necessary, and a profile of common reactions. Love. Good. We mm-hmm. learn and grow. We they're learn like, and
2: grow. It's trial and error and trial and error mm-hmm. and trial.
3: And plenty of error. And, and, <laughs> and error. yes, another trial. So much error. So much Tons error. of errors. And so Only much error. and so much error.
1: <laughs> Phase three trials are the next step unless the vaccine is ineffective or causes health problems. And they're expanded to involve several hundred to several thousand volunteers. Typically, these trials last several years because the vaccinated group can be compared to those who have not received the vaccine. Researchers are able to identify true reactions. Okay, sure. Sure. If the clinical trials demonstrate that the vaccine is safe and effective, the manufacturer submits a biologics license application, so many letters and words, or a BAL to the FDA requesting two licenses one for the vaccine, a product license, and one for the production plant, an establishment license. During the application process, the FDA reviews the clinical trial data and proposed product labeling. In addition, the FDA inspects the plant and goes over manufacturing protocols to ensure vaccines are produced in a safe and consistent manner. Only after the FDA is satisfied that the vaccine is safe is it licensed for use in the general population, which we now all have experience with. We've all gotten those alerts. Mm -hmm. Sure.
2: Sure. (laughs) I've never been so involved with vaccine authorization.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Uh That's crazy. Once they started rolling out, it was like, oh, my God, freedom. Once FDA licenses a vaccine, the Advisory Committee on Immunization Practices develops recommendations on how to use vaccines to control disease in the United States. Phase four is safety monitoring and research, and that begins after a vaccine is licensed and recommended for public use. So they're still like watching it. They're still like, okay, people Mm -hmm. are getting this vaccine. We're still going to keep an eye on what happens with
2: it. Yeah. Well, I mean, famously, we just had one get put on pause totally because of mm. some potential side effects so it is yeah it's, it is interesting to remind oneself that like it's not just that we authorize it and then that's it it's like that we do track honey, it you're yeah. out of the nest mm. yeah yeah we're gonna take a quick break for a little word from our sponsors
0: Or go to Rakuten.com to start getting the most bang for your buck. That's R-A-K-U-T-E-N.
2: Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a
3: funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.
2: So with sort of the, like the base of how vaccines come to be under our belt... Let's talk about historical vaccines. This is, yes. I love this stuff. I love it so much. I love to go back and think what were the diseases we were worried about in the past. So let's start off with the heavy hitter that we all know and love, polio. <laughs>
3: <laughs> love her. <laughs> the bell of the ball, I love her polio. So much.
2: I know, honestly, the... She is getting very much um, brushed to the side, and we need to give her her light back, so.
3: Let's focus on polio. Let's give it its due. Let's
2: let's give her focus, absolutely. It's her time. Vaccine research flourished as new techniques for growing viruses in tissue culture were discovered. So this is all when polio was happening, we're trying to discover the vaccine for polio. An intense focus on vaccine-related research was polio. This highly contagious disease paralyzed or killed its victims, and children were especially vulnerable. Americans, shout out to us, were frightened of this disease and were eager to have a vaccine. Does this sound familiar? Mm-hmm. Mm. Jonas Salk's poliovirus vaccine had to be tested. So this, this vaccine had to be tested on, in human trials before licensing. So there were no animals for this one. Injections were given to 1.8 million children, making mm. it the largest clinical test of a drug or vaccine in medical history. I mean, this is like, this is some crazy like Cold War shit where we're just like, all right, let's get the animals. Let's give it, it to was the di- children.
3: It was completely dire though, too. I think yeah. like, this was a time where people yeah. were, you know, becoming completely disabled and it was like a panic in which case yeah. I see, I really relate to it during Corona. Like it might not be, even if it's not the best, we were like, how can I get a part of a clinical trial? <laughs> like people were right. doing whatever yeah. they could to like mm-hmm. amy up their veins, you know? Only slight,
4: only yeah. slightly related, but Mia Farrow had polio, so.
3: She did. Did oh, you learn that from hair? watching
2: the Alan versus Farrow yep. documentary? Yes, yes, I sure did. Too. Mm. Which, yeah, she had polio. I, I didn't realize it was such a recent thing until I heard Mia Farrow had it. I was like, oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Most yeah. of our probably grandparents and parents were terrified of it Were ter- and had to get vaccinated. Wow. Like that was like a requirement. Yeah. The Salk polio vaccine. So that was the one where they did a clinical trial involving a million children thankfully was determined to be safe and effective so this risk this gamble paid off we got the salk vaccine later however a in a tragic set of circumstances known as the cutter incident more than 260 people contracted polio from a vaccine produced by cutter labs two batches of that vaccine from that lab were found to contain you guessed it the live polio virus oh shit Which is not what you want. And then in 1955 of that year, the U.S. Surgeon General recommended that all polio vaccinations be suspended until a thorough inspection of each manufacturing facility and review of the procedures for testing vaccines had been completed. So, I mean, yes, if you're giving people live polio, we need to put a pause Mm -hmm. and just check it out. And then... In the late 1950s, Albert Sabin theorized that the weakened live virus polio vaccine would provide longer lasting immunity. So this is now a second vaccine. Mm-hmm. His vaccine was tested in field trials in the Soviet Union. Love it. Love a They're like, let's back. just go to Russia. <laughs> they don't matter.
3: <laughs> let's just test on Caitlin's family in Russia. It's like, <laughs> go. Oh, They're poor. Who cares? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
2: So they uh, had field trials in the Soviet Union between 1957 and 1959, and it was eventually licensed by the United States in 1962. The Sabine, or Sabin, not sure how to say it, vaccine was endorsed by the American Medical Association and became the primary weapon for polio prevention in the United States by the end of the 1960s. So we had... The first one, which was the Salk vaccine, then Sabine came along and was like, let's give him a little bit of live polio and see if Mm -hmm. that knocks it out.
4: (laughs) Oh my gosh.
2: Even though some cases of polio still occurred from this vaccine, it was primarily used because, you guessed it, it was inexpensive and Mm -hmm. it was also easily administered. Now however with polio on the brink of eradication throughout the world, the Salk inactivated vaccine is the only product recommended for routine childhood vaccination in the United States. So we do not do the live polio vaccination anymore. If that's you do good. get a polio vaccine, it's the Salk one, which is like the the chill one. Mm, that's cool. right. So that's uh, polio. And real. the only place the only place to go f- from polio is to the German measles, well, of course. Of course. So here we are at the German measles. It's 1964. We haven't even taken a breath, really, from polio. Mm-hmm. Mm, no. And now we have. The, now we've got to
3: learn German. Now we
2: have to learn German, unfortunately. baby. <laughs> <laughs> Isch-
0: Isch- Isch- <laughs> Ish, leave it <laughs> From my family to Sue's family. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Leaving leave Russia, leave going to Germany. So We're good. taking it's a real world's worldly episode. It's gorgeous. So in 1964,
2: a global epidemic of rubella, also known as the German measles, spread to the United States. An estimated 12.5 million cases of rubella was reported in the United States, and 20,000 infants were born with birth defects as a result of the epidemic. So again, not good. Since unborn fetuses were especially vulnerable to the virus, it was imperative that an effective vaccine be developed, yes, in 1966, the former Cerber, remember Cerber? Mm-hmm. The former mm-hmm. Cerber directors, Paul D. Parkman and Harry M. Meyer, reported that they had developed the first effective experimental vaccine for Rubella. So these Cerber guys were like, hey, we got it, and we're gonna we're gonna dose it out. We're the all-stars, so let's keep going. Finally, the last sort of historical vaccine we'll talk about is the one for the whooping cough which I've never understand understood why it's whooping like why that's
3: the term maybe is it the sound whooping it's whooping cough it yeah it's like it's babies have it and they have like this like cough that does it almost sounds like a howl like a a dog yeah. woofing it's so upsetting and they can't catch yeah. their breaths it's like it might as well be called a heartbreak yeah. cough because it's like you hear a child do it yeah you're like, I'm gonna kill myself too it's so sad yeah
2: yeah I was always curious I figured it had to be like the sound that was made when you mm-hmm. had mm-hmm. it but again it's such a weird word whooping the whooping cough or oh dear <sighs> You can do it. Give it a try. Pert's phonetic. Pertussis. Okay. Close.
3: Or <laughs> nope.
2: You pertussis. got it wrong. <laughs> you
0: can do it. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's
2: literally all she does. It's like mm, it
3: plus, and I love it's always it. wrong. I need that. <laughs> so
2: whooping cough or pertussis vaccine had been available since 1915, but results from it, <laughs> but results from its use were not entirely satisfactory. This is coming from the FDA website. They we're not satisfied and they will never be satisfied. They weren't that great. There were many concerns regarding the potency of the vaccine. Several tests were conducted during the 1940s on the potency and effectiveness of this vaccine in
3: mice. Oh, I are you were going to say in Russia, in mice. Thank God.
2: Oh, in mice. No, I mean, I was trying to call it back to our mice talk. All of us, we're all
3: mice. <laughs> We are all mice. Steep <laughs> down. Why am I'm not, I not too recording? proud to say I'm okay, a mouse.
4: I'm a mouse. A small Russian mouse.
1: I'm a mouse. <laughs> a small Russian
4: I'm mouse. I'm a mouse. Good to
2: Exactly right. Mm-hmm. In 1944, the Biologics Control Laboratory developed a pertussis. Is that what we said? Pertussis. Tussis. vaccine. Tussis. <laughs> Tussis. Okay. Pertussis. Pertussis Pertuss on this, bitch. Why do you want me to killer? Yeah. Oh, okay. So it's 1944, it's middle of World War II. We developed a pertussis vaccine. By 1949, manufacturers were able to sell the whooping cough vaccine approved on potency as well as on safety and, ooh, sterile, sterility? sterility? How do sterility? you say that?
4: Sterility? I I say say sterility? Sterility. Yeah.
2: I mean, no, no. Whatever that means. And the vaccine in use today was licensed by Cerber on July 31st, 1996. So we've upgraded it. We now have a vaccine for the whooping cough. Yay. I'm pretty sure. Don't most babies get the whooping cough vaccine? Yes. Yes. I when think. they
3: born. And also, do you they ask that like grandparents and parents, people visiting, they want to check if you have Oh, it. yeah. Remember, that was a big thing.
2: I think I got a booster when my nephew was yep. born or something like that. Yeah. Yep.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Because they, that. I don't think they can get it to a certain age and then um, yeah, you want to make sure anybody coming around to visit has that too.
2: Okay. Arden, do you want to talk about the reason why we're all here? <laughs> Literally in a Why dead. do we exist,
3: Arden? Please tell me. <laughs>
1: oh my God. That's so, I mean... I don't know that you want somebody talking about that who's an agnostic, but here we go. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> so we're going to talk about the COVID vaccines. I, yay. you know, yay. We love a COVID vaccine. Yeah. I got mine back in February. So good. So good. Okay, brag. So, I am. It's a humble brag. Just a humble brag. <laughs> a humble brag. Mm-hmm. I'm getting
2: my my second dose this week, so... Moderna. I'm very excited. Moderna. Moderna. Thank you for asking. Yes, Moderna. She, she is fierce. She yeah, I've heard. She knocked me on yeah. my ass.
3: Yeah. No. She Pfizer was, made she me was... throw up. Oh no. Love. <laughs> I'd fuck her any day still. Oh <laughs> I, I, mean, I keep coming <laughs> I back would. for more every time. It's like I I would fuck. always come back for more Pfizer.
1: I'd love Yeah. It. So there are a couple different types of vaccines. There's the MRNA vaccine which are a new type of vaccine to protect against infectious diseases. To trigger an immune response, many vaccines put a weakened or inactivated germ into our bodies, but not mRNA. Instead, they teach our cells how to make a protein or even just a piece of a protein that triggers an immune response inside our bodies. That immune response, which produces antibodies, is what protects us from getting infected if the real virus enters our bodies. Researchers have been studying and working with mRNA vaccines, for decades interest has grown in these vaccines because they can be developed in a laboratory using readily available materials this means the process can be standardized and scaled up adorable i love it they're like let's be efficient <laughs> Mm-hmm. making vaccine development faster than traditional methods of making vaccines mrna vaccines have been studied before for the flu zika rabies and fuck me up I can tell you what that C- says. CMV. <laughs> as soon as the necessary information about the virus that causes COVID 19 was available, scientists began designing the mRNA instructions for cells to build the unique spike protein into an mRNA vaccine. Yeah. So yeah. the
2: thing with like the COVID vaccines, because there's a lot of criticism, not a lot of criticism, like, There's obviously an anti-vaxxer movement, and there's like a distrust in these vaccines. And one of the reasons that I've seen, and I'm sure we've all seen, is that it was developed so quickly. And I think part of the reason that people may not understand is because it's not like we had to build a vaccine from scratch. Mm -hmm. We used the mRNA basically uh layout it's been around for like 20 years yeah yeah this is what the flu vaccine is yeah it's Mm -hmm. a popular type of vaccine it's not new new. we did not have to reinvent the wheel to create the Pfizer and Moderna and Johnson Mm -hmm. and Johnson and the and the rest of that are coming up it was a it was a roadmap that already existed they just had to figure out What was it about COVID-19 that made her a little special from the rest? Mm -hmm. And how could we take a little bit of that and put it a little bit over here? And that's why it was developed not over the course of several years. It's
3: because she's a spiky bitch. Mm -hmm. She's a spiky little She's filled with Mm spikes. She's filled with spikes.
2: So that's why I wanted to put in the stuff about the mRNA because I think that's helpful information to know that the vaccines are not... Like the polio vaccine, mm-hmm. or the whooping cough, or the German measles, where it was like, yeah, <laughs> you just got some beakers and you're like, da, ba, 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 ba. Mm-hmm. maybe this is a vaccine. Um, so it's different because it has
4: like a non-active version of the actual virus in it. Mm-hmm. Okay, and and
2: like yeah, that that pro, that protein in there is specific to the pretty the predominant strain of COVID that was initially. Out. So obviously now we know there are other strains and that's very much like the flu where, you know, we get a vaccine of the, the flu vac shot every year because the strain morphs and evolves, right? So the proteins change a little bit. So perhaps the vaccine you got last year may not fight off all of the strains of the flu, but usually the predominant ones. Mm. So that's what Pfizer Actually, and Moderna... yeah,
3: and the flu's even worse. Like, the flu you'll have... You know, they said people are upset about, like, 83% or 85%. They're like, the flu is 50%. <laughs> like, yeah. the flu like, you're lucky is that fancy. You're lucky most I years mean,
1: if the flu virus is, good. A flu vaccine is, like, 35% effective. So, like...
3: Yeah, yeah. I mean, get it, of course, like, make mm. to take care of yourself. But it's not... It's interesting. I feel like people are just kind of vaccine crazy right now. And so they're like yeah. hypersensitive and hyper obsessed with all this. But it hasn't been the flu's track record is just like, look, we're doing the best we can. Yeah. It's an insane disease, No, not disease, uh, virus that just keeps evolving. The virus is a living organism that is sure. just trying to live its best life. And we it's are just really, trying to spread its wings and, and we don't, to we don't
0: want that for her. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. We're such bummers. Mm-mm. We want her to die. Mm -hmm.
2: we sure do so just a little background on mRNAs
1: so there are currently three approved vaccines the Pfizer-BioNTech which is two shots given three weeks apart you're considered fully vaccinated two weeks after the second shot the Moderna two shots given four weeks apart again fully vaccinated after your second shot two weeks later the Johnson & Johnson which is currently on pause is one shot and you're fully vaccinated after two weeks. Two vaccines are currently in phase three of their trials as AstraZeneca and Novavax. Um,
2: Yeah. And I think AstraZeneca has been approved by other countries, but has not been approved by
0: the Mm -hmm. United States.
2: I think it's pretty big in the UK right now, if I understand correctly. But just goes to show there are other vaccines coming up the pike, and I imagine in a few months, one or both of them will be able to be distributed but the ones that i see the most are pfizer and moderna obviously johnson and johnson is going through her own moment right now Mm. and so curious to see how that one turns out yeah so that's the covid vaccine and I wanted to kind of close our episode with some um, of my favorite things, which are fun facts. Fun facts. Mm-hmm. Fun facts. and facts, facts. And so on the FDA website, which I have a thing with government agency websites where most of them are awful. And every now and then we come across some gems. And weirdly enough, the FDA website was very informative. Like, again, most of these notes that we've talked about today have come straight from that website and, like, especially how they broke down the COVID vaccine information was also, I found, to be pretty Hmm. helpful. So, but they had on this website milestones of the FDA Hmm. and there's, like, it's a huge list of, like, date, like, years and things that happened that year. Some are boring and I pulled some that I thought were interesting. So, um, I'm going to just go through them and we start, we're all... Ladies Who Lunch Start, and that's in 1820. And so at 1820, 11 physicians met in Washington, DC to establish the US Pharmacopoeia, which is the first compendium of standard drugs for the United States. So I love this idea, 1820, these 11 guys get together and they're like, let's develop a standard.
3: Let's get it together, guys. Let's get ourselves a standard. Let's get it together. Let's get it together,
2: please. Then in 1897, there what, the Tea Importation Act was passed, which pro- p- providing for customs inspection of all tea entering U.S. <laughs> ports at the expense of the importers. So, like, they're starting this off with, like, let's get our priorities straight first let's start inspecting the tea then we'll look at what poisons people and i
3: love that yeah well people are consuming way more tea these days than poison unlike mm. right now we're much more poison pro poison than tea in 2021 yeah. you're right <laughs> but imagine right. if we they, love our poison
4: it was yes metaphorical tea like
2: gossip mm. like in mm. the- gossip. yeah and
4: that would be back to then you're right so yeah imagine right. if they had to inspect all of that
2: oh my god let's inspect the goss is it legit or not that's a job that i want
3: tea i want that job yeah i want that job absolutely you mm-hmm. can take it i need it i need someone to inspect my tea and just tell me like what are you well, doing I don't really
2: spread false goss like mm-hmm. that's that's embarrassing when the goss i also is absorb so
3: much of the tea that i'm like i'm false <laughs>
2: okay so the next one is in 1906 the meat inspection act oh so that is passed shocking disclosures of unsanitary conditions in meat packing plants the use of poisonous again preservatives and dyes infused and dyes in foods and cure all claims for worthless and dangerous patent medicines Or major problems leading to the enactment Mm -hmm. of these laws. So we were disgusting. We were
3: (laughs) disgusting. Mm -hmm.
2: That's that's 1906. Okay. Then 1912, Congress enacted the Shirley Amendment to overcome the ruling to overturn the ruling in U.S. versus Johnson of Shirley
3: Temple. Of Mm -hmm. Shirley Temple,
2: you're right. (laughs) She was a plague on us all. In that uh, the Shirley Amendment prohibited labeling medicines with false therapeutic claims intended to defraud the purchaser, a standard that was difficult to prove. And this was because Mrs. Winslow's soothing syrup for teething and cockley baby. Cockley? That's how you say that? Colicky.
1: Colicky. Colicky.
2: Colicky. Sorry, sorry. I don't, I don't read. And (laughs) colicky. oh my gosh. You know what I'm saying. Babies uh, unlabeled, uh, yet it was laced with morphine, and that killed many infants. So again, we started killing but the children. But were they colicky?
3: I'm just kidding. <laughs> but <laughs> but they were quiet. It didn't work to stop man. the colic. But, but they, they were quiet. The colic ended. Many things ended. Oh,
2: I love that. Then I'm skipping ahead to 1950 for the Oleo Margarine Act, which requires prominent labeling of colored oleo margarine to distinguish it from butter Mm. oh that's the stuff from the chips
3: is it oh yeah the poop stuff the poop chips Or is it just yeah oh Mm -hmm. yeah
2: i just thought it was funny that they we have a whole act about something and distinguishing it from butter
3: that's so funny (laughs) because because i can't believe it's not butter maybe that's I mean, they're saying
2: it's not We don't want to get
3: sued. (laughs) Yeah.
2: So what are we going to call it? Uh, I can't believe. (laughs) This one's fun. In 1993, uh, revising a policy from 1977 that excluded women of childbearing potential Mm. from early drug studies, the FDA issued guidelines calling for improved assessments of medication responses as a function of gender. So they're like, you know what? Let's bring women of childbearing age into the fold, shall we? And I love yeah. that. Mm-hmm. So companies were include were encouraged to include patients of both sexes in their investigation, uh, in their investigations of drugs, and to analyze any gender specific phenomenon. This was in 1993 that we thought perhaps we wow. should widen our scope.
3: Damn. That's why there's nothing on ovarian cancer. <laughs> really? Yeah. Like, literally, they're just like, ah, we don't know. You have it, you don't have it. Like that's why
2: it's like they know birth nothing. control gives you blood clots is a new. Is news to right. people, apparently. Right. And it's like, why? <laughs> Guys, we could die at all times. My love, We're my We're right. women in the medical industry. Give me Johnson & Johnson. I yeah. I'm less likely of a chance to get a blood clot than I do mm-hmm. right now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then finally, our last fun fact, because I thought this was super funny. Um, in 2013, Pandemic and All Hazards Preparedness Reauthorization Act was passed. <laughs> And this establishes and reauthorizes certain programs under the Public Health Service Act and Food, and Dr- Food, Drug, and Cosmetic Act with respect to public health security and all hazards preparedness and response. So in 2013, we passed a Preparedness Reauthorization Act. Hmm. And by golly, did it not come in handy? <laughs> Jeez.
3: They have before, just like ugh, we hope you get it together. We hope
2: we're hoping that this just doesn't happen. Just the fingers crossed.
3: Hope mm-hmm. it works out for y'all. The
2: fingers mm-hmm. crossed act that we don't get another polio. You
1: yeah. know, oh my gosh.
2: Yep. Yeah. Yep. But that those are my fun FDA milestones, and those are the end of our notes, y'all.
3: That's what amazing. do you think? Here's the thing. Mm-hmm. I think this is in no way a scam, not that you asked us, Um, because I I don't think it is, yeah. I don't think it's a scam. I think that you have a ton of brilliant people working their asses off. I think you have a ton of scientists, a ton of doctors who are trying the best that they can to go as quickly as possible. Mm -hmm. I get this feeling that with these sort of vaccinations and with these testings, everything's going as fast as possible. The part that it gets Mm -hmm. tricky or stressful is when they try to then bring it to the masses and the company that then distributes it or hands it out is either messing with the ca- messing with the stuff to make it mm-hmm. cheaper, so mm-hmm. like not the doctor's side, yep. not the scientist side, or somebody just trying to push out really quickly and not realizing that you know this might be unhealthy. The morphine I don't love, but yeah. I'm sure that the doctor was like, "If you give them a little bit of morphine, it's fine. fine. You just can't give him a lot of morphine. Just a little you know, like... bit of whiskey and they'll go right to <laughs> sleep." They did that. Mm-hmm. They did that all the time. They're always drugging their babies. Mm-hmm. So, like, I think that the place where it becomes so stressful is that middleman, and that's who you have to govern. And I'm sure mm-hmm. it was to the horror of the scientists and doctors that had all best intentions of trying to help people.
4: Mm. Yeah. I think. Yeah.
3: Yeah, it's this—it's this
2: interesting thing of yeah. trusting doctors and scientists, but not the pharmaceutical company mm-hmm. because there's money to be made in pharma. I mean, there's money to be made as doctors, but there's also money to be made as the pharmaceuticals and like yeah. sort of the distortion and the distrust, rightly so that we now have against pharmaceutical companies because mm-hmm. they are trying to bleed people dry for like basic They're medications. They're dirty. They're awful. They're dirty, yeah. dirty, dirty, people. dirty people. And yet we have to rely on them to, to do this, to, like, like, we had to rely on the pharmaceutical industry to get us partly, like, the care for the vaccines and, and a lot of different, like, non-COVID-related illnesses, like, we're, we're, we're you know, sh- shackled to them in a yeah. not healthy way, I would say. Yeah. But, but I agree with you. I don't think it's a scam... I think that it could. I think there's areas for improvement, mm. um, which is my hot take.
0: Lots. And, yes. Um,
2: but I am. I am glad that we have a vaccine.
3: Also,
0: I love Watchdogs.
3: Mm-hmm. I
2: love Watchdogs. Watch over me. Woof, Watch woof, those dogs. You
3: know. <laughs>
2: yeah. Get them woof,
3: woof. <laughs> all. Woof woof. Absolutely woof woof. Is done.
2: But I think. I think you're right. I think we can end and conclude with calling this not a scam.
4: Mm-mm. Even though
2: y'all are the scam while ladies, but there and we'll is tell scam you, if it's a scam, we'll tell you. you. We will let you know. Yeah.
4: I know people are like hesitant to take it and they think that it's still um too experimental, but this is not a scam. This is healthy. Mm-mm. Mm-mm.
2: This is healthy, this is good. Hopefully we can all, you know, kiss each other on the mouth very Ugh. very soon i'm kissing everyone on I the mouth i will be
3: kissing everyone mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah i'm kissing That's... them on the ass i'll just take it give it i'll kiss them anywhere want.
2: yes yeah 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 we're yeah. very easy wherever going. they feel comfortable
3: yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. it's fine
2: and with that you guys thank you so much <laughs> thanks for having <laughs> for us. Joining us thank you so um, much <laughs> Again, to our sweet, sweet listeners, you can listen to ScamWow, which, again, is such an amazing podcast where they talk all things scams. Um, Truly, wherever you find your podcasts, but they are also under the More Banana Network. So check out Mm -hmm. More Banana. Check out ScamWow. Check out our other sister podcasters. And in the meantime... Listeners, if you like what you heard, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Let's Get Civical. And if you feel so inclined, you can rate us and review and subscribe to us. We love you so, so much. And we will see you next Wednesday.
1: Goodbye.